Well, good morning, dear brothers and sisters, and those who will become brothers and sisters in Christ. It is truly my joy to bring the message uh, from our Believe and Live series today. I want to begin our time with our application while everybody's listening. I want you to consider this. Consider this for yourself. Ask this question to yourself. Do I love Jesus? Do I love Jesus? Now let your mind and your heart meet about this and ask these three questions. Is my love a faint-hearted love to Jesus? Is my love of half-hearted love to Jesus? Is my love a whole-hearted love to Jesus? Draw your conclusion. There's only two that know this conclusion. That's you and Jesus. So have you come to an honest conclusion about your love to Christ? Are you satisfied? Are you really satisfied with your love to Christ this morning? Is Jesus Christ truly satisfied with your love to him this morning? In Matthew 22, Jesus gives us the norm for this. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the normal. So have you come to an honest conclusion of your love to Christ this morning? And because Jesus knows, and I love the self-description he gives himself in Revelations 2, he says this, I am he. Now this sounds familiar, right, in John, but in Revelation 2, he says, I am he who searches the hearts and minds of men and women. So he knows my heart this morning, the degree of my love, and he knows your heart's love for him this morning. Half-hearted, faint-hearted, whole-hearted. Well, that's our, that's our application, so we'll peel through all of this and uh, come out uh, with the work of the Holy Spirit in each heart here this morning. Let me pray and we'll begin with our scripture. Lord, we pray this morning for your presence to be known in this little room right here. You're the great and mighty God and we're asking you to pour your grace upon us today that you could do a mighty work in our hearts, Lord. We need changing, almighty God, to bring you glory and honor. So take the, take the message this morning and work in our hearts for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, I ask you to do it. Well, today's text has already been said is Peter's second and third denial of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read those texts in John 18, verse 25 through 27. Uh, Grace Church, from the New King James, hear the word of God. Now Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, 
are you? He denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again and said, <clears throat> Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Well, these denials are lies, aren't they? Peter knew Jesus, and for some three years, he saw his friend, Jesus, cast out demons, preached the gospel with power, healed the sick, give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, the lame to rise and walk, fed the multitude with two fish and five loaves. He hushed the storm with his voice, and he raised the dead. And in John 6, Peter even said this to Jesus, Lord, you have the words of life and we know and believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And here uh, Peter's denials uh, were, I do not know him, but in real life, Peter knew him. And his denials said, I am not associated with this man in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But in his life, Peter was very closely associated with Jesus. So Peter's denials were lies. And folks, all lies are sin. All sin is against God, and all sin separates us from God. And there we have Peter denying his Lord. Calls for a separation that we'll see. Oh, what's his problem? Peter's denials reveals uh, that Peter's heart problem was the same problem a lot of us have here today is a half-hearted love to Christ, not a whole-hearted love. <clears throat> That's why I asked, you were asked to check your heart's love to Jesus this morning. Well, why are these denials recorded right here in this little few-hour time window of the history of human redemption. Why are they here? That's a question I ask, and uh, all I know about that is God is sovereign. This is his word. He makes no mistakes, and all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. John 20, 31, who, what is our theme verse for our Believe and Live series, uh, John says, all these are written, all this is written that you may come to know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So how can these denials right here in this particular part of the Scripture help us today know and believe that Jesus is who he is? that we could believe in him and live. Now, when this happened, it was Jesus up in the, in the high priest compound and he was in a courtroom with a priest and old Peter was down in the courtyard with all these people at nighttime around the fire. Uh, so that's, that's when this is happening. But these denials must be important. Do you know they're in 
all four Gospels. All four Gospels. And they're preceded by Jesus predicting Peter's denial of him. Isn't that something? So let's look at the predictions first. And the setting of these predictions was that this had the Lord's Supper or the Passover, which is instituted as the Lord's Supper. And they sang a hymn. And they went outside to go to the Garden of Gethsemane there on the Mount of Olives. That's, that's where they happened. And so we'll look in Matthew 26 because uh, they're listed in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. They're almost identical twins, so we'll use Matthew 26, uh, verse 31. This is where it takes up as they were going. Jesus, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. Now, this stirred those men up something terrible. And Peter, he, he spoke up first. Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Peter's boastful here, isn't he? And he's so sure of himself, like a lot of us. But Peter is blind to his heart condition, his need for a healing. And Jesus says to Peter, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter says, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all of the uh, other disciples agreed. They made the same vow with Peter. It's like, Jesus, we got you back. We came this far with you, and we're going all the way with you, Jesus. That was the Matthew predictions. But that prophecy that he talked about that, that was going to be fulfilled tonight is Zechariah 13, 7. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. That was fulfilled during uh, the arrest of Jesus and Jesus, uh, as he spoke to that mob that was after him, he said, uh, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled away. So much for their boasting. It was empty boast. Empty boast. Our next prediction is in uh, Luke. Uh, I got it right here, y'all. It's in Luke 30, uh, 22, verse 31 and 32. And this is, this is one, of the, one that helps shed so much light on this, these denials for me. And I hope it helps you tonight, this morning also. Here, here it is in verse 31 of Luke 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, <clears throat> Satan had asked and got permission to sift 
Peter, right? Just reminds us of Job. So uh, Jesus was praying for Peter, but Robert Murray McShane, one of our late friends uh, of many years ago, he left this quote, if I could hear Jesus Christ in the next room praying for me, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet, what difference does distance make? He is praying for me. And just like Jesus was praying for Peter before Peter knew he had been needed praying for, Jesus is praying for each of us today. He's interceding. He never sleeps, never slumbers. He's got us in his sight. So be encouraged about that, dear people. Now, Jesus was not praying for Peter not to be sifted. Jesus was not praying for Peter not to be tried by Satan and sifted and shook. Uh, but he was praying for Peter's faith not to fail. He was wanting uh, Peter's faith to be proven to Peter that it was genuine faith. It was a precious faith, more precious than gold. And precious, genuine faith produces great joy in the believer. Genuine faith. So when you're going through your trials and tribulations, Jesus is saying, is your faith real? Look and see. He already knows, but he's proving it to us. Is my faith real? Just like the love, he wants to prove to you that your love is real. Well, he made, uh, Jesus also made uh, <clears throat> a promise and a commission to Peter. He said, Peter, when you return to me in repentance, uh, that's a promise. You will do that. And then he said, strengthen the brethren. And that's a commission he's given to do before he denied him. So strengthen the brother. Who are the brethren? In, in John 17, 20, uh, Jesus tells us who the brothers are. He's, he's, he's talking, praying with the Father. And he says, Father, says, I'm not only praying for these men here, these 11 that you've given me, but I'm also praying for all of those who will ever believe in me through their word. There's a room full of folks here today that Jesus has commissioned Peter to strengthen and some yet to come to Christ but there's one already commissioned to strengthen you and keep you strong in the Lord. That's that old Peter. So we'll see what God has to do in uh, Peter's life to, for him to carry out this commission. Well, I've got verse 33 and 34 here in Luke 22. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. So there is a prediction, and I'll go ahead and call it a prophecy. Jesus was prophesying to Peter what he would do. Now, it's only prophecy, true prophecy, if it comes true, right? If it's only real biblical prophecies, it comes true. <clears throat> this prophecy was given by him who searches the hearts and minds of man, who knew Peter's heart, and he also knows our heart condition. Faint-hearted, half-hearted, 
wholehearted love to Christ. Okay? That's what it's about today is these denials. Our last prediction, we'll look at John 13 and read this <clears throat> verse 33, start there. And uh, they're, in the, they're in the teaching right before they uh, leave and says, little children, I, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, He's going to give them some what to do. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, old Peter's fixing to speak here. But instead of, Lord, help us, Help us get this love understood. We want to please you. We want to be like you ask us to be in our love for one another. We want this to be successful for your glory. No, Peter, Peter's mind was on where are you going, Jesus? That's what he said. Lord, <clears throat> where are you going? And Jesus said to him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now but you shall, you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can, I, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered, will you? Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, why couldn't he follow Jesus right now but later? Because Jesus was sent by the Father in love to us to go to the cross alone. He was to be, uh, he without spot or blemish, was to be the only acceptable sacrifice. He would bear our sin in his own body. He would pay our sin debt so we could be removed from the line of condemnation and put into the line of redemption. Only Christ, not Christ and Peter, only Christ. And Peter's boast was so much like ours. It's so I-centered, it's so I-centered, so me-centered. And that, that brave-hearted fisherman boasted that he would even die with Jesus or die for Jesus. He made both of those boasts. What do you boast about? That's empty boast that you can't carry with you. You can't carry out. Well, Jesus, <clears throat> the I am he who searches a heart in minds of men, he's at, at that present time when he said this, he knew Peter's heart. He knew what Peter was thinking. He knew what Peter was, art was going to take him into doing. And it certainly wouldn't be dying for him, would it? <clears throat> and dear folks, he not only knows Peter's, but he knows ours. And he knew that Peter's heart is only a half-hearted love to Christ. So he also knows about our heart condition, where it's a faint-hearted love to Jesus, a half-hearted love to Jesus, a whole-hearted love to Jesus. Don't let your own heart deceive you about your love to Christ. 
Well, this was the predictions listed in the four Gospels, the prophecies, the convict, uh, well, prophecies. I got that word. Now, let's go with denials. And uh, they take place in the courtyard, okay? Peter was uh, in the courtyard around the fire, and Jesus was upstairs. I guess it was an upstairs there in the courtroom of the high priest. And uh, I'm going to, I've already read the denials in John 18, at least two of them. Jordan read the first one. And Matthew and Mark are sort of twins almost in their words. So we'll look in the denials at Matthew and Luke. Okay, so run back over here to, uh, to Matthew 26 in verses uh, 65b through 75. Listen carefully. Now, there, the Jesus is in, tri- in the trial here, and it picks up in the middle of this trial. It says, look, now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. And they spat in his face, and they beat him, and others struck him with, a hand, with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ. Who is the one who struck you? That was going on upstairs in the courtroom. Now Peter down in the courtyard. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also are, were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them saying, I do not know what you're saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fella also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, Peter denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. That's in Matthew. Now we're going to look in Luke 22 and and see, see what he says in verse 54 through 62. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat with them. As a certain servant girl seeing him, as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. Then after about an hour had passed, another conf- confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this man also <clears throat> was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. 
Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Where Jesus and Peter saw one another there in the courtyard. Peter was being, <clears throat> Jesus had, was bound still and being led to another trial. Had to lead him through the courtyard, and so there, there they met providentially, God ordained meeting, and Peter looked at Christ and Christ at him. Man, and he had just denied his friend three times. Well, these two accounts of, G- of Peter's denial of Jesus. So uh, let's uh, examine Peter's heart. And I've already asked you to examine your heart a little bit, but now we have some evidence here on Peter. Uh, and it proved that he had a heart problem. Peter had a heart problem. Peter made those brave-hearted boasts, but when it came down to being sifted like wheat, his true half-hearted condition was revealed to himself. He didn't know he had a heart problem. All of a sudden, it was revealed to him. Jesus already knew he had the heart problem, and Jesus knows about you. I've asked you to come to a conclusion about your heart's love to Christ. Peter, a friend of Jesus, was sick with self-centeredness. Always about himself. I, I, I. This half-hearted love is always self-centered. In John 15, 13, he's talking about wholehearted love. He says, Jesus says, no greater love has this than a man to lay down his life for his friend. That's wholehearted love. Peter's was half-hearted. He, he said he would, but he didn't. That's just, that's just uh, something wrong with Peter. Something wrong with us when we do that. Three times Peter succumbed to the weakness of his flesh. All the resolve that he made soon dissolved. Jesus, I will lay down my life for you, turned into, I don't know the man. So we always are making these this resolves that we're going to do this or not do that in our human flesh. They soon dissolve. <clears throat> With his half-hearted love, his lukewarm love to Jesus, we see Peter going away from his friend Jesus with broken heart, godly sorrow, and bitter tears. Half-hearted love always considers self first. I love Jesus. It could be written like this in your own life. I love Jesus, but I write my own rules on how I will follow you, Jesus. That's half-hearted, folks. That's half-hearted. That's abnormal love to Christ. 
where Jesus asked us to love him with all of our heart. Is that not true? Love me with you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Folks, don't think there's no such thing as wholehearted love for Christ. Don't settle. Don't be sifted and shaped till you have half-hearted love or faint-hearted love to Christ. And some of you have no-hearted love for Christ. Empty. But I know the one who can fill you up. And so, how will these denials help us to believe and live? That's my question all along as I read that and looked at it and thought about it and prayed over it and, and uh, this finally said, Lord, I give up, you show me. And uh, he gave me one at least. Examine your hearts to love Jesus. Examine your heart's love to Jesus. How much is my heart loving Jesus? Ask him to fill you with love to him. Make it your aim to be well, pleasing to him and follow him by his rules. Don't write your own. You'll end up in a ditch real fast. You'll be stuck in the world and can't get loose. Well, the main event in, human, in the history of human redemption was only a few hours away when Peter went away in bitter tears and Jesus being led away to be nailed to a cross with a wholehearted love for us. Peter went away in half-hearted love. Jesus led away in wholehearted love. Well, that's part one of what's up. Part two is what's next. We'll follow Peter just a little ways and see what's next, okay? So uh, sin always separates us from God. Godly sorrow and bitter tears over one's sin is not repentance, but are certainly needed for true repentance. To repent is to return to Christ to get forgiveness of your sins and to be restored to a fellowship with him. So in, uh, we see Peter in John 21 uh, with some disciples. He's waiting, not praying, but fishing. And they fished all night and hadn't caught no fish at all. And at dawn, returning to the shore about 100 yards out, uh, someone on the shore hollers, throw your net on the starboard side. And I think that's the right side, left side. I don't know much about boats. But on one side, throw it on the other side of the ship, a uh, boat. And so uh, reluctantly they did, and they caught a net full of fish they couldn't pull in the boat. And John, probably John, he told Peter, it's the Lord. Now about 100 yards out in the sea now of Galilee. You got it? Now here's your picture of repenting, of returning. Here's a good picture of it. You got it? You ready for it? What does Peter do? Peter jumps into the sea. He dove into the sea. He splashed into the sea. He jumped overboard and made his way through the sea to the shore and to Jesus, returning to Jesus. And we see them after a little while 
Jesus speaking to Peter. Now, Jesus is not chastising Peter for his denials. He's not rebuking him for his denials. He's not judging him for his denials. What's he doing? He's, and this is the way he'll treat any of us. Gentle and loving, he asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And the great physician, Dr. Jesus, was proving to Peter that Peter's heart was now full of love to him. Half-hearted love, the self-love was gone. It's all love to Jesus. Love to Jesus. So Jesus restores Peter and he equips him for the commission. Here's the promise completed. You return to me and here is his commission. Uh, you go and now you can follow me, Peter. So uh, that's what he tells him, follow me. So now you can follow me, Peter. So let's follow Peter, following Jesus. This in two little spots in uh, Two little spots here. In Acts, uh, we see Peter praying and waiting and then filled with the promised Holy Spirit. And there stands out in great boldness and fearless this, this denier of Christ before thousands to preach the gospel boldly to these people. Not denying, but preaching boldly. Why? Because his heart was totally full to love to Jesus. And he will, could lay down his life now. And he spent his life preaching the gospel, proclaiming Jesus. And I love Acts 4 when uh, he healed the, the man who had been lame from birth. And he, they asked him, these same guys asked him, he said, uh, I've healed him in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone rejected by you guys. And he said, there's no other name under heaven by which one must be saved than Jesus. Well, who is he saying this to? These are, are Ananias and Caiaphas and those men who judged Jesus. They were now looking at Peter, wanting to judge him. But here's what happened, folks. These priests, recognize that Jesus and Peter had been together. They saw in Peter the traits of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, see what FaceTime I do for you. FaceTime with Jesus. You spend time in the face of Christ right now, today, and tomorrow, and the rest of your lives. And people will see Jesus Christ reflected in your life. When you have a wholehearted love for him, you can do that. And uh, I would, I would re recommend you can spend FaceTime with Jesus. You can count. You can picture little ten at the foot of his cross. There's got a few camps. I like to call them the three camps. There's camp A and camp B, and these are always fussing with one another. It has been for centuries, and it'll be centuries later if Christ puts off coming back. And, but there's another camp. Is Camp C. You got A, B, and then Camp C. Camp C is at the cross of Christ. Picture tent there. 
Spend time with Jesus. Curl up with him. Hug on him. Talk to him. Cry with him. Cast all your cares upon him. Get to know him personally. And you know what will happen? You will reflect Jesus to all around you. That is normal Christianity. We are called to be conformed to the image of Christ. We, and we are called to reflect him with our lives. Well, one more. Over the years, the books of First and Second Peter have meant a lot, lot, lot to me. They've strengthened me and strengthened me again and again and again. And over the centuries, uh, they've done that with men and they'll continue to do with men. They're strengthened. And old Peter is still fulfilling his commission from Jesus to strengthen the brethren. So here are three examples from First Peter. You have grace. There's many more. You have grace, faith, and joy. Faith, grace, and joy. First Peter 1, uh, old Peter, he says, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Right away you see there's pilgrims. They have citizenships banned over here and they're looking for a place. And Peter's talking to them, hey, you're a pilgrim down here, but you're citizens of heaven. That's strength. That's strength. That's right there talking to those. He's talking to us too. And he says, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you didn't get the triune Godhead right there working for you and in you, making the way straight for you to go on into the kingdom of heaven, there he is. He calls you the elect. Not the elite, but the elect. Not the choice, but the chosen. Children of the living God. And he's working in us. And this God, that there's a pause right here after he finishes uh, in sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is in my Bible. Maybe it's not in yours, but it is in mine, so we'll use mine. Now, this is the place while you're reading your scriptures, folks. You see the truth of Christ, the truth of the triune God. You stop there, and you pause in his presence, and you praise him. You do that again and again and again as you go through the scriptures. Don't just read for head knowledge. Let it affect your heart, folks. Let it make you come to a wholehearted love. Well, after that, after that pause, he said, the first word he says is grace and peace to you. Now, there's many definitions, I'm sure, of grace that are good. But over the years, for 15 or so years, uh, I've read through this book and prayed through this book and been through this book day by day by day. There's five chapters. You can go through Monday through Friday, chapter one, two, three, four, and five. I've done that for years. And that word grace had to mean something. It had to mean something. So I began to seek the Lord what it meant. And this is what he showed me for me. And it can work for you too. And I'll carry this definition of grace right into the pearly gates of heaven, rejoicing for God's grace in my life. Here's grace. Grace is divine influence 
on a heart, my heart, that produces or, if, or godly character and holy conduct. Grace is divine influence on a heart that reflects in godly character and holy conduct. You can have all your definitions, but that one works for this old man. And I'm probably older than most of you. So I can, I can put my stamp of approval on that definition of grace. But look what he said. That's the first. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. And then he broke into this great work of God. He said, blessed or happy, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again, born of God, children of God, citizens of heaven. That's Peter's strengthening us here, folks. Uh, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. It's going to last a long, 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 longer than time. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, that faith, that, that gift of faith from God, it unites us to Christ in his death and then unites us to Christ in his resurrection. That strength, and that he's given us that. So hold on to Jesus with both hands. Don't be running around like most of the people that name Christ. They're holding on to all their stuff in the world with one hand and holding on to Jesus with the other hand. And they get tired and ripped and pulled this way and that way. You turn it loose. Grab a hold. By the power of God, faith is holding you to him. You know, we could almost preach that, couldn't we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in this salvation, he says, greatly rejoice. Now here's Peter's picture of being, when he learned about being sifted by Satan. He's, he's passing this on to us. In this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. The trials that come, the shakings, the temptations, and there are all levels of them that you go through. And it's why, why, why these trials and tribulations in my life? Don't you love me, God? What's the matter? Why you, why you let me get kicked around like this a lot of times? And folks, I've been kicked around a lot of times by the devil but I done learned. You ain't got to take the licking. You got Jesus. You got faith. And you got these trials to prove out something about your faith. He said that these various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, the realness of your faith, the sterling core of your faith, the ironness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, though it perishes, <clears throat> though it is tested by fire, that your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a then thing, okay? And there's also a now thing. This genuine faith produces something. And here you go. Here's what it is. 
whom <clears throat> at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Your, your genuine faith produces joy unexplainable. Do you have that today? Does that go with you wherever you go? Or are you this so moody about Jesus got me today and he don't tomorrow? Or you just have no idea what's going on in your life? Well, that's strengthening, isn't it? Peter, carrying out that commission of Christ today, yet today, and tomorrow, the next day, until Christ comes back, Peter will be carrying out his commission through his written word. And I want to tell you something. If you go to 2 Peter chapter 1, he tells you this. If you haven't got this joy and this grace in your life, that you know it's there, and this genuine faith is not showing up to you, he says, check out. Make sure you're calling an election. Is real. And he gives you the preceding things, what to do there. So get with it. Well, this is one reason for the denials of Peter when he denied Jesus Christ. And it has helped to believe and live now and forever. The denials cause, uh, call us from being a half-hearted lover to a wholehearted lover of Jesus. That's what them denials is about, folks. Now, here's a motto for you. Come from Brother Lawrence. Here's a standard for you. Here's a normal for you, okay? I do all I do out of my love to Jesus. I do all I do out of my love to Jesus. That should be our normal. That should be our motto. Well, let me pray. Father, 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 there's those here today who has heard the gospel many times and some one time. And I asked you to pour your grace out upon them in a multitude that they would come to be believers in Christ Jesus through faith. And Lord, there's those, those here today, Lord, whose love they, that you've, you've opened their heart, you showed them, you revealed to their, their, their mind and heart that they're half-hearted about you, Lord. And I'm asking you to pour your grace, your mighty grace upon us, Lord, in that respect, that we would become a people of wholehearted love to Jesus, and that would be our normal. It wouldn't be uh, foreign to us. And it would carry your precious name, Jesus, through all the world. We ask you to do this for your namesake and your glory. Amen.